Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. BT Radio Studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, August the 1st of 2022. My name is Darren Pritchett. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, broadcasting live on 960 AM WSBT. A live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. Technical difficulties are stopping our Twitch feed today. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, presented by Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop. Where new beginnings have happy endings. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. It is 85 degrees with sunshine currently in downtown South Bend, Indiana. A full two hours of sports beat tonight because the South Bend Cubs have the day off today. They're back in action tomorrow over at beautiful Parkview Field in Fort Wayne to take on the Tin Caps tomorrow night, game one of a six-game series. Well, the show that I had planned for you, it's being tweaked on the fly as we have some news starting to trickle in from Major League Baseball, including a former Notre Dame slugger has been traded within the last half hour from a possible playoff team to a World Series contending team. Details on that coming up in just a couple of moments here on WSBT Radio. 
Patrick Engel's going to join me at the bottom of this hour in about 20 minutes. He covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball. We're going to talk about those two teams during our interview. We'll get some of his thoughts on Penn High School's Marcus Burton becoming the first member of Notre Dame's class of 2023. We'll also talk some pre-fall camp football with Patrick at the bottom of the hour here on WSBT Radio. Of course, the Irish will have their first practice on Friday, game number one, 33 days away. Really, when the calendar hits August, if you're a football fan, this is that first day you really, truly feel the football season is coming quickly as we've got high school football practice underway. Some of the colleges across the country are practicing at the current time. Notre Dame will start on Friday. You've got NFL camps open, so we are really, truly into the heart of the fall camp for the start of the football season. It is 11 minutes after 5 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you. Also coming up on the program this evening, who had the best weekend? That'll be our My 5 question of the day. We've got our sports wagering segment coming up in a couple of moments as we kickstart Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. All right, let's start by passing along some information involving a former Notre Dame slugger, and that being Trey Mancini. This guy has been stuck with the Baltimore Orioles throughout his career. Stuck is probably the wrong word. But the Baltimore Orioles used to be a proud franchise. Unfortunately, he arrived in Baltimore during a rebuild, and the rebuild has gone on and on and on. Last year was a miserable season. What did they win, 52 games? So Trey has been a part of some bad baseball in the city of Baltimore. Trey Mancini has dealt with a personal struggle, overcame cancer, beat it, a part of Home Run Derby last year out at Coors Field. From what I understand, behind the scenes without any limelight, is helping other cancer victims as he tries to help people dealing with what he had to deal with. Strong as ever this year for the Baltimore Orioles. He was hitting 268 with a 347 on base, 10 homers, 41 driven in. Well, Trey Mancini has been traded. Apparently, it is a three-team deal involving the Baltimore Orioles, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Houston Astros. And Trey Mancini has been shipped by the Orioles to the Houston Astros. So after all these years of not being in the playoff chase, the Orioles are in the chase for a wild card spot this year. But Mancini is going to be moved, free agent at the end of the year. And the Houston Astros are going for another World Series title. They add a veteran right-handed bat for their pennant push. So congratulations to Trey Mancini. You kind of wish he could have seen it through in Baltimore be a part of an Orioles team that makes the postseason, but 
It's a business. And Mancini now goes to the team that is leading the National League West by double digits, the Houston Astros. So now you think back to last week. We talked about this. Was it Friday's show? Camden Yards, eighth inning. Orioles and Rays. This was expected to be Mancini's final home game since in all likelihood he was going to be traded. And in the eighth inning, he got the chance to bat one more time at Camden Yards as a member of the Baltimore Orioles. Well, the ball was hit high in the air to right field. Should have been a routine out, but the right fielder for Tampa Bay lost the ball in the sun. It went off his noggin and ricochets all the way over into the right field corner. And Mancini's final at bat as an Oriole at Camden Yards and inside the park, home run. That's a home run he will not forget. Now to the Houston Astros for Trey Mancini. Good luck to him. You know, through the last few years... Baseball fans have said a lot of negative things toward the Houston Astros. Yes, they cheated. They got caught. They're the trash can team. They won a World Series title. There's no asterisk, but we all know they were doing things that you're not supposed to do. Were they the only team? Absolutely not. They got caught. Yankees and Red Sox got caught. More teams did it that didn't get caught. The Astros have heard it from fans, but that's now starting to die down. The baseball fans are kind of tired of booing the Astros. Now, maybe in the postseason, that'll happen again. In New York, it will. The Yankees fans are not going to forget that anytime soon. But elsewhere across the country, I don't think it's a big deal to boo the Astros. So Mancini goes there at a time where it's going to be a little more enjoyable is not the right word, but... Less stuff happening that doesn't happen to a normal player or team. So that's a positive. But really a chance for Mancini to win a ring. The problem is, as the Astros pick up Mancini today, who can play first base, outfield, and of course DH, the New York Yankees, one of their top contenders to win the American League pennant, are absolutely loading up. I mean, they are going for it. You need something? Yes, indeed. They're going to go get it. And today, the Yankees, within the last hour, picked up the Oakland A's ace and closer, Montas and Trevino, giving up just some low-end prospects. I think number five, number 20, and number 21 on MLB Pipeline. Not a lot coming back to the Oakland A's. So the Yankees have added a difference-making starting pitcher and a guy who was the closer in Oakland who could help lengthen their bullpen. And oh, by the way, the Yankees also traded with the Chicago Cubs today. Remember on Friday I had a discussion about 
Do Irish fans want their Notre Dame football media members to root for the Irish or you really don't care? And 70% in a Twitter vote said, you know what, I don't care if you or any other media member roots for the Irish or not, just be fair. And I brought up the example, well, what's the difference in a media member not being a fan of Notre Dame than you, a fan, cheering on Notre Dame players who never rooted for Notre Dame until they became a member of Notre Dame? Is there any difference? And I use Scott Efros as an example. Grew up a diehard Cleveland Indian fan in 2016. He was cheering for his Indians to beat the Chicago Cubs. Then Efros got drafted by the Chicago Cubs out of Indiana University. Became a Cub fan then, but still deep down you're an Indian fan. Well, I used him as an example on Friday. Traded by the Chicago Cubs today. Now, this probably comes as a surprise. There are bigger names on the team that are on the trade block right now. Catcher Wilson Contreras, outfielder Ian Happ, closer David Robertson. So, Efros getting traded is a bit of a surprise, but you see why. The New York Yankees wanted Scott Efros. He's 28 years old. He has a slider and a changeup that has been unhittable this year. Both pitches... Major League hitters are hitting under 200 against it, leading to an ERA of 2.66 in 44 innings. Now, the Cubs gave up a reliever who is pitching as good as anybody on their roster with five years of control. Five years. That is a ton of time. They shipped him to the Yankees for a guy that is a triple-A pitcher right now for the New York Yankees. And his name is Hayden Wesneski, a right-handed pitcher, 2019 sixth-round pick of the Yankees, currently the number seven prospect in the Yankees system, according to MLB Pipeline. The Yankees were going to have to put him on their him on their 40-man roster at the end of the year. There isn't room, so he was very movable. At AAA this year, Wesneski went to Sam Houston. Had a 3.51 ERA in 19 starts, 83 strikeouts in 89 innings. Apparently, he has a slider that is considered above average. Has a good fastball. Don't know much else about his pitching profile. It doesn't seem like the Yankees were ready to call him up. He was a guy kind of stuck at AAA with those 19 starts. So, could this be a number three? A number four, a number five starter for the Chicago Cubs next year. Probably will have to go on the 40-man roster. I believe that is the rule for him with his age. So the Cubs have given up on a reliever they can rely on trying to flip him for what they believe is a starting pitcher for the next few years. You might say, why would you trade a guy that has been so good for you in the bullpen with five years of control? And if you're asking that, I think it is a very fair ask. I answer it this way. If you have the opportunity to trade a very good reliever for a starting pitcher, then it's worth doing. Here's my one but. This is going to come across as critical, but... Being involved with the South Bend Cubs and seeing Cubs pitching prospects for many years come through, 
I don't trust the Cubs' judgment on trying to acquire the right starting pitcher. Their track record isn't very good. That's why they're kind of in the spot they're in. Look at their starting rotation right now. So I hope they are now doing a better job assessing talent. They sure did not do it in the draft for many, many years. The Theo Epstein regime was not very good at finding starting pitching or any type of pitching that helped them at the major league level. Maybe this guy will be a starter. And if he can be a starter at the major league level for the next few years, trading Efron for him is a great deal. Again, I would trade a great reliever for a really good starting pitcher. That's a good trade-off. You can find relievers starting pitching. Everybody is looking for starting pitching. Look at the Yankees, the best team in baseball, arguably. They've added three pitchers today, a starter and two relievers trying to make their team better for the postseason. So, yeah, the Cubs gave up a guy with a great track record this year, five years of control, but if Wesneski can be a major league starting pitcher, I think the deal's worth it. Now, you still have to be kind of good at the major league level, but I think that's what the Cubs are counting on. And if they get Wesneski to the major league level and he has success, then I love the trade. And you know what? Honestly, the Cubs should never have to worry about money. There are a handful of teams that should never worry about money. Don't believe all this stuff that the COVID year affected the Cubs' pocketbooks. They're just fine. Remember Marquee Sports Network? They told us how much money that was going to make the organization, how they can put it back into the baseball team. Not seeing it yet. Maybe we will as they start to turn the corner, but it sure isn't happening yet. So hopefully the Cubs shipped off one of their best relievers for a starting pitcher for the next few years. If that's the case, job well done by the Cubs scouts and the front office. And how about this? The team leading the AL Central, the Brewers have traded their all-star closer Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. Hader still has one more year left on his deal with Milwaukee. Not a free agent at the end of the year. They get four players, including a couple of pitchers, Taylor Rogers and Donaldson Lament. Rogers likely will move into the closer spot for Milwaukee unless they put Devin Williams there. So here's a team headed to the postseason, traded their closer, who's had a tough month, otherwise unhittable. Very interesting day in Major League Baseball, in particular over the last hour or two as the trades are starting to happen. The trade deadline is going to be tomorrow at 6 o'clock, so... Probably we're going to have a lot of news coming tomorrow. I would imagine that a guy like Wilson Contreras might come down to the wire being traded. He's only hitting like 140 in July. He's not a very good fielding catcher. So I think the Cubs are trying to maximize their return for Contreras. I'm not sure they're going to get the full maximization, if we can create our own word to talk about Contreras. But still overall a pretty good offensive player who is marginally okay as a defensive catcher. Has the arm, but his ability to frame, to steal strikes, he's below average in that category. We're going to talk about Marcus Burton from Penn picking Notre Dame basketball. We're going to talk Notre Dame football camp, which is going to be starting on Friday with Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated. That's next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Midwest fan. 
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith, touchdown. 5-5 rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 29 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Once again, a little breaking news within the hour. Former Notre Dame slugger Trey Mancini traded by the Baltimore Orioles to the Houston Astros in a three-team deal for Cub fans. Wilson, Contreras, Ian Happ are still Chicago Cubs, although reliever Scott Efros traded to the New York Yankees today. So a little movement for the Chicago Cubs. We're going to talk Notre Dame basketball, Notre Dame football with a gentleman who covers both of those for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Patrick Engel rejoins the program on this Monday evening. Patrick, good to catch up with you. How are you today? Great, Darren. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for your time. Of course, fall camp starting on Friday for the Fighting Irish football team, and we'll get to plenty of football talk here in just a moment. Let me start with a couple of Notre Dame basketball questions. You cover the Irish for Blue and Gold Illustrated. First off, Marcus Burton from Penn High School is the first Notre Dame basketball commitment for the class of 2023. The Irish have had some good luck with local players joining their basketball program. I guess right now when you read some of the star systems, some have him with zero stars, which means he probably has not been fully evaluated by the personnel. Some have him as a three-star. As you take a look at what Mike Bray's trying to do with the class of 2023, adding Burton, what's kind of your reaction to what has happened over the last week? Yeah, Burton was a guy who was on their radar from most of this summer, uh, long before they had offered him uh, just six days ago, I believe it was, uh, who they just kind of saw in the evaluation periods in June with Penn and in July with Mac Urban Fire on the Nike UIBLAU circuit. And, you know, a lot of those times they saw him. He just kept kind of putting good games together, really impressing as a scorer. He's a, a really, really skilled scorer who was, as a junior, the fourth leading scorer in the entire state, uh, no, no matter the classification. Really, really skill with the ball in his hands and his ability to separate with a pretty good first step. And you know, I think that's starting to really kind of show out in his junior year and then in front of college coaches in the evaluation periods. And you know, I think eventually Notre Dame saw enough to say, let's, you know, let's host him on a visit. But he left that with an offer. And from there it was, it was pretty quick and he committed three days later. And yeah, like you mentioned, they're not the highest profile per se in terms of stars or Notre Dame was his only high major offer. I really started getting, Division one offers right at the end of that junior high school season. But this is going to be a big class that Notre Dame probably signs just with all the fifth-year seniors and those guys in their last year of eligibility, especially in the backcourt, who are going to be moving on. So this is a time where you want to bring in a big guard class and the class where you want to try to take some swings maybe uh, on someone like Burton, who's smaller, and I imagine that's kind of what maybe gave some other high major coaches some pause. But – Really, really skilled offensive arsenal. Uh, good passer of the point guard. Sees the floor. Has a good feel for the game. And someone who I think can, you know, it, this is the class to maybe take that chance per se. But still a guy with a, some real scoring upside here, even if the, the rankings might not 
you know, hint at a, a particularly flashy ad. I agree with you. I think his 5'11 frame probably caused people to be patient in their evaluation of Marcus Burton. Now, he always wanted to go to Notre Dame, so it probably doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I think you're probably going down a, a pretty good path there. Patrick, let me just ask you about the basketball open practice. You and other media members had the chance to watch. I think a lot of Irish fans are wondering right now, Paul Atkinson is gone. That's really the big guy inside that provided you some buckets. Now, Nate Lashevsky is a, is a big guy, but more of an outside threat, obviously, on the offensive end. The Irish tried to add a big guy in the transfer portal. It just doesn't work out. As you take a look at the freshman class, Patrick, is there anything you saw from that freshman class or maybe a developing player that could help fill that void loss with Paul Atkinson now uh, moving on to professional basketball? Yeah, you know, it's funny in a, a roster where half the team is in grad school and maybe is Mike Bray's oldest, and we know how much pride he takes on building an old roster, you kind of get the sense that a lot of it might come down to where a couple freshmen can take him. And that's J.J. Starling, of course, the guard from Lobby Mayor, McDonald's All-American, uh, five-star recruit. But in, in the middle there, with replacing Atkinson, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Van Allen Lubin has been getting a lot of the work there. Another freshman, uh, top 75, I think, across all the major uh, recruiting services, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not really sure I saw that coming as much, considering he was a you know, mostly a wing or a, a power wing, combo forward, whatever you want to call it, uh, in high school in Orlando there. But he's been playing the five and looked Looked like a freshman in designation only in the sense that for a guy who wasn't really a true center in high school, looked to be pretty comfortable there now, looked to have kind of filled out, and he's a pretty solid uh, 6A. He's listed at 6'8", 220 uh, back in the fall when Notre Dame signed him. Uh, looked definitely about that. But even if he's not going to be a big back-to-the-basket, maybe post-up guy, at least right away, like Paul Atkinson was, still someone who should be pretty sturdy on defense in there, maybe – provide a little bit of shot blocking rim protection as a, as a help defender. But really, you're impressed with the athleticism and some of the ball handling and the, and the reach he can make as a passer there to help you think you create some mismatches when you know he might play some of the bigger, more traditional centers in the ACC. There might be some tough nights there playing defense with them, but uh, I think he's still someone who kind of gives Notre Dame a chance of being able to create some five-out mismatches and, and play off Nate Lashevsky pretty well. So that was the most intriguing and, and maybe – thing I didn't see coming. Starling looking the part, you wanted to see it, but yeah. I think the expectation all along was that given the, the ranking and the accolades and the track record, he was going to be a big part of this thing. He is Patrick Engel, covers Fighting Irish basketball and Fighting Irish football for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Now, I'm basing this on one practice, which obviously a lot of other things can happen in the other practices, but the one practice you saw, did anybody stand out? Did anybody catch your attention or surprise you? Yeah, I think those two freshmen really were uh, kind of the the head turners there. And, and Starling, yeah, like the, a really uh, known as a polished uh, recruit whose, whose game in, in both the AAU circuit and at La Lumiere certainly reflected that. But you saw just how comfortable he already looked, uh, the reads he's able to make, uh, the comfort he had oper operating as a point guard. So I think just how quickly that's kind of come together and kind of the realization of like, yeah, this is about what you – would have expected, but it still looks really impressive, uh, I think was another important thing for him to figure out. And at least to me, uh, you know, part of a, 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 a really a standout in that, in that one practice who's 
going to be relied a lot on to help run Notre Dame's offense. Let's move to football, Patrick. The first practice coming up on Friday. Marcus Freeman will speak to the media coming up on Friday. As we enter fall camp, let me ask you about the Irish offensive line and your expectations. There is a bit of a vibe that Zeke Carell, based on his success in the spring, could be the team's starting center with Jared Patterson, who is a terrific center, moving to the guard position. Do you feel like that's going to happen? Is there something else that could happen on the offensive line that could change their thinking? As of now, I think that's how they're going to open up fall camp. And, yeah, it was really Patterson's uh, pack injury that sidelined him in spring, gave Carell an opportunity at center, which I think we saw in 2020 late in the year that was his best position where he played pretty well in a couple of starts in place of Patterson, including in the college football playoff. And was kind of able to recapture that after – moving back to center from guard where he started a couple uh, six games last year. And no, I, I don't think at this point anything would change it as far as the first practice. Obviously they'll see how you know, fall camp goes and, you know, you never know exactly what happens there, but yeah, uh, you get the feeling that that's what Notre Dame is at least right now operating under the assumption of it's, it's best five and that sure Patterson might be definitely is Notre Dame's best center because he's probably the country's best returning center, but at the same time, uh, I think Notre Dame's kind of come to the conclusion that Patterson at left guard and Carell at center is better for the entire operation and the entire five than Patterson at center and somebody else at left guard. So that would be something would have to change their thinking in that regard uh, to make them, I think, uh, kind of shuffle that, that lineup of Joe Alt, Jerry Patterson, uh, Zeke Carell, Josh Log, and Blake Fisher left to right there. I'm thinking back to 2018, Patrick, when I was covering the Irish, and after they lost to Clemson, I felt like they needed to improve their slot position play and also their nickel cornerback play. I feel like they did not have enough explosive players in those spots. Now, there were other things on the team that needed to get better. Don't get me wrong, but I watched Clemson, and their slot receiver was such a dynamic player. So I've been kind of wanting the Irish to get a little more dynamic in the slot, which brings me to this question. Avery Davis was the slot guy until he went down with an ACL injury. He's back. Lorenzo Styles looked really good in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State with the eight catches and a touchdown. I'm really intrigued by Styles in the slot. Now, I know he can play other wide receiver positions, and they'll probably move him around, Patrick, but I was just wondering if you could evaluate your thoughts on what the Irish have at the slot position, and where do you think Lorenzo Styles fits in in this wide receiving core? Yeah, those two names you just mentioned, I think, are going to be, you know, pretty prominent uh, names there at slot receiver. Davis, uh, certainly dependable. Uh, you saw how quickly that Jack Cohn was able to trust him at the beginning of, of last year when some other things at receiver were still kind of working through it before Kevin Austin really hit his stride week to week. So I I think you're going to see that he'll be still part of the, the mix there as soon as he's back. But, yeah, Styles, absolutely. I mean, he played there after Davis got hurt last year, and you think of someone, him as someone who can kind of move around the, the entire offense and, and be able to create mismatches at, at any of those spots, uh, especially if you get him on some slot corners or safeties from there. So I think you'll see that, too, just as you saw Kevin Austin uh, line up in the slot mm-hmm. there last year. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I want to say between 8 to 10% of his routes were from the slot, if I'm remembering the pro football focus stat correctly. But 
certainly you'll, you're, I think you'll see multiple guys come in there again, whether that's maybe it's like a Tobias Merriweather big slot situation, if that's a way they can mm. get him in the freshman who's early on, I think off to a good start, but we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there in fall camp. Uh, haven't seen Braden Lindsay there a ton, but still one of the faster receivers on the team. So yeah, I'm curious to see exactly how that shakes out, but I would imagine that a lot of the, the snap distribution there would be between uh, Davis with Styles in there and, and maybe a couple of others. Let's move to tight end. We all know about Michael Mayer, All-American candidate, probably a first-round pick next spring. We anticipate a huge junior season from Michael Mayer. But the number two tight end position seems to be one of the position battles that we have to keep an eye on during fall camp. I, I guess my sense is, and I could be wrong, that a guy like Kevin Bauman could be the leading candidate based on, gosh, he always looked good during fall practice when the media was there, of course, injured last year. But then you got Kane Verong coming off an injury. He seems to be coming on strong as a possible candidate. Maybe he's a wild card. How do you evaluate the choices the Irish have right now at the number two tight end spot behind Michael Mayer? Yeah, that's kind of one of the deeper cut fall camp things to watch. Maybe not the most consequential. I think everybody wants to see how quarterback shakes out and receiver and offensive line and all that. But one that's interesting, just because you don't know a whole lot about the guys, or at least they don't have a ton of game reps and snaps combined, but all pretty interesting and intriguing athletes there at tight end between uh, uh, Bauman, like you mentioned, whether it's just in injuries or depth chart that just didn't really give him much of a shot at getting on the field uh, the first couple of years. Uh, Barong, like you said, a guy who was kind of pushing to maybe avoid a redshirt before that ACL tear last October, uh, getting should be back at full health now was not cleared in the spring. And then the freshmen, Eli Reardon, Holden Stays, weren't spring enrollees there in June. Early returns there seem to be pretty good, but that's just in summer workouts. Again, we'll see what happens when you get it in fall camp. But Reardon himself uh, had a schedule in an ACL a tear recovery of his own, who should be, uh, I think, a pretty close to full, if not full participant in fall camp. So really, I think it'll, all of those guys will really get a chance. But definitely uh, Bauman, having been there in the spring and just been able to put up an impression there that, by and large, I think was you know, pretty positive for him. Uh, certainly a name to watch for wrong. Absolutely. So I think I can see that one shaken out a number of ways. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you you maybe handicap it going into practice one, just – feel like you give Bauman the edge, but I really could see kind of anything happening there just with a lot of those intriguing, but still not quite, you know, got to see him first and interesting athletes there behind him at tight end. I made a mistake yesterday, Patrick. I was flipping through the channels and the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl game was on. And it was at the point of the game where Ohio State was coming back with touchdowns left and right and watching Smith and Jigba and Harrison just absolutely torch the Utah defense. And, you know, the quarterback play was really good. The wide receivers were explosive. So I kind of had a little panic attack thinking ahead to that first game against Notre Dame. So I feel like now I have to ask you about the Irish cornerbacks, all familiar names that probably are going to line up in the starting spots. How comfortable do you think the Irish are with their cornerback play going into the season? Yeah, I think they're coming back with three pretty experienced guys in Cam Hart, Clarence Lewis, and Tariq Bracey there. Wouldn't, would have a pretty hard time seeing anyone other than those three uh, starting uh, at the two outside corners and then slot with Bracey 
at Ohio State. But I think the main thing you really wanted to see there was, one, just kind of a bounce back in general for all of them, but especially Clarence Lewis after that tough Fiesta Bowl, which you know, I think you ask him and, and the, the coaches that we got to talk to in spring felt pretty good about how that process has went. But really, I think you want to see just more sustainable depth there where that was really a, a three-man corner rotation the entire season, and you kind of saw that show up in the Fiesta Bowl where you didn't really have anybody to come in and give Lewis a breather or give Cam Hart, who'd been kind of playing on a bad knee in practice all week, uh, give him a breather. And that's the kind of thing you don't want to see repeated again, where now you had a half the you know, six underclassmen corners where you had to have a couple guys from there emerge, do something, prove themselves as at least as capable backups rotation guys. I think you started to see that in the spring, though, with Jaden Mickey, who's mm-hmm. going to at least keep the heat on that top three for a spot. Uh, I think you'll see him really make it a four-man rotation. And then Ryan Barnes there as the boundary corner and kind of a bigger body like Cam Hart, who I think you can be able to see him at least give come in and, and give a guy a break for a drive or so there. And, yeah, really I think you want to see the corner depth round out as much as the the ceiling or the improvement overall go up for the starters. And I think there was some room to do that, especially with Hart, who I thought had a pretty good yeah. first season and, and promising first season as a starter, but still some room to go for, grow for him. All right, Patrick, two more quick ones for you. Number one, heading into fall camp on Friday, give me one player you're really interested in seeing on the practice field for the Fighting Irish. Yeah, I think Tyler Buckner is kind of the obvious one, mm-hmm. but it almost feels too obvious. <laughs> so I'll give you a, a a different one there just for variety's sake. And look at Tobias Merriweather, the freshman receiver, who – you look at receiver as a position with just lower on bodies overall and lower on proven playmakers. And I think you're going to see Styles play or grab a starting job and play a lot. Davis be involved in it when he's back. But really looking for a bigger body boundary type of guy to replace Kevin Austin. Uh, Deion Colsey, spring kind of maybe said, and eh, still has some some growth to do there. And you know maybe it's a year away or definitely left to at least open uh, the opportunity there for Merriweather to come in and carve out a role and fits that description of a big body 6-4 track athlete whose acceleration in the open field is really, really impressive for a guy his size. So wouldn't be surprised if he can make a move. And I I think that's as far as most interesting or just, you know, interesting besides the obvious candidate there in Buckner, uh, a guy I certainly will have my eye on. All right, final question. You're a Chicago guy, which was the home of Siskel and Ebert, one of the legendary – a duo who used to evaluate movies back in the day. You might be too young to know who they are, but gosh, they had their own TV show and they'd break down all the films, thumbs up, thumbs down. So I'm curious, since you're a Chicago guy, what was your reaction to the hangover jersey reveal that Notre Dame had last week? Thumbs up? Oh, that was phenomenal. Just <laughs> all the props in the world for the Fighting Irish Media and the Notre Dame creative team there. Just really, really well done. <laughs> I like what somebody said the other day. For people you know, across the country, either love Notre Dame or you don't like Notre Dame, but Marcus Freeman's making Notre Dame kind of cool right now, isn't he? That's that's really it. The, the cool factor around the entire program in the last you know, eight months or so has really risen just with the yep. natural you know, disposition that he brings every day. Why don't you mention to our listeners the – Full court press, I guess, the Blue and Gold Illustrator will be putting on Notre Dame Fall Camp, which starts on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, you know, we'll have our, our full staff out there with myself, 
Tyler Horka, Ashton Pollard, Todd Burledge out there for Friday's first practice, which is fully open, and I believe the nine others that we'll have at least some kind of part full access to. So you can find us all at blueandgold.com. Still t- time to join and subscribe for your first year for only a dollar. Don't miss it. Can't beat it. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Patrick, good to catch up with you, and I know – as we get closer to the season, I think we're going to restart our conversation. So really looking forward to that and my partnership with Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You guys do an amazing job and looking forward to a great football season. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. You, be bet. A fun year. you betcha. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. That's Patrick Engel. Covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball for Blue and Gold Illustrated, Blue and Gold. It is nine minutes in front of six o'clock. More sports beat coming up right after this on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Fixing your pet is as. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Ten minutes after 6 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me on this first day of August. Hope you had a great weekend. Here we go with a brand new week. And we end the week with our first Notre Dame football practice that comes your way on Friday. Marcus Freeman will meet the media for the first time after practice number one. So, if you're ready, here we go. College football right around the corner. Notre Dame is hoping to be a part of all the fun this year deep into November. My thing has always been on November the 1st, just stay in position for the playoff. Don't be eliminated by November 1st because as we have seen, more times than not, chaos will happen. And if you're still in the top seven or eight on November the 1st, You know, anything is possible. So my thing has always been one loss or fewer as of November 1st. Then you have everything in front of you. All your goals are reachable. But two losses means that you're not going to reach those goals. But in the near future, maybe a couple of years down the line, if the playoff expands to 6, 8, 12, 16, whatever the number TV decides on, let's be honest, then the opportunities to be a two-loss team in making the playoff increases dramatically. In fact, you'll see a handful of teams with two losses making the playoff, in particular if you go to 12 or 16 teams. Now, I've always felt like it should be more of an elite club, hard to get into that club, a team that's ranked 16th in the country. I'm just not yet sold that they should have a chance to win the national championship. Top eight, okay, I'm okay with that. Anything over eight, I personally just feel like it diminishes the value of the regular season. So I'm a little bit more toward that six or eight team playoff, but I would imagine once TV has had their say, in 2025 you'll see a bigger playoff more teams getting in, and you just wonder, is it going to be the SEC Big Ten Invitational since they're going to have some outstanding opportunities to 
boost their strength of schedule with some of the schedules those two conferences are going to bring to the table each and every year. And, of course, if the number of teams getting into the playoff increases, Notre Dame as an independent seems like a road they can continue to go down. Now, if their access to the playoff gets affected, then we have a different conversation. But you go to 12 to 16 teams, heck, you're still in wonderful position to make the playoff as an independent. So the Irish again, hey, one loss or less going into November, you got a fighting chance, but the Irish have a couple of ball games that are going to be a handful this year, including that first game against Ohio State. I was talking to Patrick Engel last hour, Patrick from Blue and Gold Illustrated, that I made the mistake of turning on the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl game. And that was the game Utah jumped in front just like that, 14 to nothing. And then in the second quarter, there were like three touchdowns in a minute. And Ohio State came all the way back with a last-second field goal to win the ball game. Smith and Jigba, their high-end wide receiver, absolutely destroyed Utah for over 300 yards. Marvin Harrison, who hadn't played much all year, Jumped into the lineup, had, what, three touchdown passes? Stroud, Njigba, Harrison, Henderson at running back, their offensive line. Man, oh, man, they can keep you up at night. But here's the good news. I was reminded watching that game that Ohio State's defense, woof. I mean, They looked horrible in that game against Utah, and a walk-on quarterback who had to come in due to injury led them on a fourth-quarter game-tying touchdown drive against the Ohio State defense. So that makes you feel a little better. Now, Jim Knowles is the new defensive coordinator for Ohio State. Ryan Day brought him in to fix this defense. It's kind of interesting Notre Dame coaches should know Jim Knowles pretty well because they researched for a few weeks Oklahoma State last year in preparation for the Fiesta Bowl. Jim Knowles was the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State during the regular season. Now, Knowles left for Ohio State before the game against Notre Dame, so when Tommy Reese called the plays in the Fiesta Bowl, He might have been working against a Jim Knowles defense, but it wasn't being called by Jim Knowles. But at the same time, I would have to imagine Tommy Reese and his offensive coaching staff learned a lot about Jim Knowles from that month of preparation for Oklahoma State. Now, different personnel, don't get me wrong, but at least it gives them an idea of what Jim Knowles wants to be. Now, who he will be calling the defense at Ohio State, is to be determined since he is learning his personnel, putting together a new package for them. But at the same time, I think it gives you a good starting point for this matchup against Ohio State. But man, oh man, that Ohio State defense leaked a lot of oil last year. Michigan ran right through them in the big matchup at the big house. And pretty good job by Utah in that game, putting up a lot of offense. So... The headaches of watching the Ohio State offense occurred yesterday, but then at the same time, it's like, you know what? The Irish offense has a great chance to move the football against Ohio State. How about winning the coin toss, taking the football, 
and running the ball down Ohio State's throat. Wouldn't that be nice? Getting Tyler Buckner settled in as the starting quarterback, assuming that he is the starting quarterback, getting him comfortable right off the bat, allowing him to run the football and do damage to that Ohio State defense. Now, who knows? Knowles might make a major impact on this defense. I would imagine a coordinator can only do so much. It's going to take a continuing recruiting, developing process to get better personnel in some of those spots. But I'm going to give Knowles the benefit of the doubt that Ohio State will take step forwards this year. But how good will they be in the first game? There's still a little bit of unknown about Tyler Buckner and what he can do throwing the football. 30 throws is not a whole lot to go on. We expect the Irish offensive line to be a heck of a lot better than the one they trotted out against Florida State. That's a positive. Now the running backs are a little banged up. Wide receiving core depth is in question, but that Michael Mayer guy is pretty good. That's a pretty good place to start for this fighting Irish offense. So 33 days from today, it'll all play out in front of our eyes at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Notre Dame taking on Ohio State. You would expect Ohio State to be a top-five team in the preseason. I'm going to say conservatively that Notre Dame will be in the top 15. I think they might be between 8 and 12 in my personal opinion. There's a lot of noise about Notre Dame football right now, and a lot of that has to do with their head coach, Marcus Freeman, who is extremely likable, as we talked about last hour. Let's face it, you're either a Notre Dame football fan or you hope they lose every game. There's really not much in between, but Marcus has made Notre Dame football kind of cool right now. There have been people that say, you know what, I don't like Notre Dame, but, you know, this guy, I like him. And I think the Hangover parody video really put him at a higher level in a lot of people's eyes. Like, man, this guy is a lot of fun. He's pretty cool. We're not going to see Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher doing those type of things. But I think for the younger generation that's all about TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else is popular now, I'm probably missing some, those type of things I think really impacts kids. It's not going to totally changed their mind. Hey, I was going to Alabama, but wow, this parody was cool. I'm going to Notre Dame. But it just it makes Marcus Freeman look a little different than some of the, how do I say it, stiffer coaches across the country, maybe like the one we had here for the last decade. Brian can be a little loose, but he can get really uptight and defensive. I can't see Marcus ever getting like that. I don't think we're going to see his ruffles get feathered or his feathers get ruffled to the extent with the former head coach of the Fighting Irish. But Marcus has done a great job of making Notre Dame look a little different. And that's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. Well, Notre Dame football right now is still trying to add on to their class of 2023. It's a great class. It's a top five class. Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, who will join me tomorrow. When I asked him if Notre Dame has a chance to have the number one ranked class in 2023, he said probably top five or six. I mean, Alabama is surging. They are grabbing high-end players left and right the last week. But Notre Dame still is going to have a high-end class, but they're looking to still add offensive weapons. And the quarterback search continues. Now, we'll ask Mike about 
these next two topics tomorrow. But let me set the stage for those conversations. The Irish still do not have a quarterback in their class of 2023, and they maybe have moved on to a new guy. So let's backtrack. During the offseason, a lot of talk about five-star quarterback from Detroit, Dante Moore. The Irish were all in on Dante Moore. It looked like for a long time he would pick the Irish. C.J. Carr in the 24 class, who Dante Moore knows very well, picked Notre Dame. Coincidence or not, about the same time, Dante Moore cooled on Notre Dame and ended up choosing the Oregon Ducks. And I ask this again, how many big games is Dante Moore going to play at Oregon? What is the Pac-12 going to look like in a couple of years? If he is there for four years, it'll be a whole lot different. Now, if he is as good as everybody says, he'll probably leave for the NFL early. So he will not fully see what's left of the Pac-12, but times are changing out there. So Dante Moore picked Oregon. Recently, Notre Dame turned up the heat on a kid who was committed to Baylor. Austin Novosad, the Irish offered him on July the 11th, just about three weeks ago. He visited Notre Dame last week at their barbecue, got a good look at the Notre Dame football program. As I mentioned, a Baylor commit, when he was visiting Notre Dame, there were four schools he was interested in, the team he was committed to, Baylor, Texas A&M, Ohio State, and Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish. So he visited. Then this weekend, he went back to Baylor and also looked at Texas A&M. Now, based on the reporting being done by On3.com and also Blue and Gold Illustrated, their partners, the feeling is Novo said is probably going to do one of two things. Number one, stay with his Baylor commitment. Number two, flip to Texas A&M. He has some family ties to Texas A&M. So it looks like Notre Dame is going to have to move on once again in search of a quarterback in the class of 2023. And this may go on for a while, folks. Now, the latest name to be kicked around is a four-star quarterback from the state of Tennessee. His name is Kenny Minchie. Minchie is committed to the Pittsburgh Panthers. If Notre Dame could flip him, head coach Pat Narduzzi would lose his mind. He would absolutely go bonkers. So Minchie is a guy who's locked in with Pittsburgh, on three consensus has Minchie as the 21st best quarterback in the class of 2023. Overall, regardless of position, player number 393. Now, over the last few days, Notre Dame extended a scholarship offer to Minchie. And Minchie put that out on social media that he had received an offer from Notre Dame. Now, what could be working against Notre Dame, among other things, is the dead period has arrived in August, which makes it more difficult to flip a player. Not saying it's impossible. It just seems more likely that he's going to stay locked in with Pittsburgh. So if Minchie is going to stay with Pittsburgh, what's next for Notre Dame? That's probably the next question. I mean, we're going way down the list of 
plan B, plan C, plan D. Not sure what letter we're on, but we're getting further down the list. Now, the Irish do have a very talented, exciting quarterback in the 24 class in C.J. Carr. And we've talked about this, but for a new audience, you always want to have a quarterback in every recruiting class. No ifs, ands, or buts. It is such an important premier position. You can never have enough quarterbacks. Do quarterbacks enter the transfer portal? You bet they do. But you keep adding on. You can never have too many. So let's look at it this way. Let's say the Irish end up with a 23 quarterback that may not be to the level that they truly want. What can really change the look of things is if Tyler Buckner ends up being the quarterback that so many of you and also everybody in the Goog believes he can be. If he is a difference-making high-end quarterback, then all of a sudden, again, even though you want a high-end quarterback in every class, things could look different if you can go Buckner for the next couple of years. And, hey, let's hope we have him for two years and he's good enough to go pro. That's a positive. That means you're getting great play from the quarterback position. You might be able to cover that 23 hole with a bridge from Buckner to Carr. Now, there's a lot that can go wrong, but there's a lot that can go right during that particular time. There are no guarantees with these prospects coming from high school, but at the same time, if things work out the way that you hope, Buckner's here for a couple of years, off to the NFL, just in time for C.J. Carr to take over. Then the 23 quarterback spot looks a little different. Now, you're going to still have to add in talent Behind him, there is still the possibility in the very near future Notre Dame could add someone from the transfer portal. Again, two years from now, maybe someone from the transfer portal comes in to battle C.J. Carr and whomever else for the starting job. Now, I'm going way down the road, but I'm just trying to show with the search for the 23 quarterback continuing, if things don't work out the way that you hope, that bridge is possible to make this situation look a little different. But at the end of the day, you'd love to have a really good quarterback in this 2023 class. But I mentioned they're also looking for offensive weapons, not just at quarterback, but what about at the running back position? Keep in mind Dylan Edwards. He's a four-star running back from the state of Kansas, Derby High School. He's a little water bug. Edwards is 5'8", 155. Grease lightning, man. He is fast on the field. He has been committed to Kansas State, but now he's open for business. On Friday, he decommitted from Kansas State. Just by chance, guess where Dylan Edwards was when he decommitted? He was on the Notre Dame campus Friday visiting. He also visited the Fighting Irish back in June of 2021. He's an interesting player. Reading up on him, some analysts believe that Edwards not only can be a running back, he could be a slot receiver, he could return punts, he could return kicks. Now with a different coaching staff, we might be able to move forward beyond the fair catch on punts. I'm hoping so. Now ball security is the most important thing, but... 
it would be nice to have the ability to change the field with a guy back there returning punts who has the chance to return punts. Again, new coaching staff, they may go at it the same way the previous coaching staff did, but they may not. And a guy like Edwards is intriguing back there. Now, Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer, who will be on the program tomorrow, has already put in a prediction that Dylan Edwards will end up in the Notre Dame class. According to On3 Consensus, he is the number 16 running back in the country and overall prospect number 291. This is a really intriguing player that the Irish might be able to add to their class of 2023 stable. So keep Dylan Edwards in mind and quarterback Kenny Minchie, two names popping up on the Notre Dame football radar at the present time. More on Edwards, more on the quarterback search when Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated joins the program tomorrow night at 6.07. So that's about 25 minutes of Notre Dame football talk. It is 6.30. Who had the best weekend? I'll tell you next. The Sports Beat rolls on on this Monday, August the 1st on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on the Twitch app. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Sportsbeat continues on this Monday evening, 6.37 is our time. No South Bend Cubs baseball tonight, so we're on the air until the top of the hour. Darren Pritchett with you. Wow, the hammer has come out in recruiting over the last couple of moments. All right, so let me set this up. You might recall earlier this summer, the number one running back in the class of 2023 had a list of seven schools he was choosing from. Notre Dame was not in the top seven. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, I'm going to take an official visit to Notre Dame. In fact, I think he put them in their top in his top five. It's like, wow. So that became a very interesting development. And the Irvin kid decommitted from Notre Dame's class right around that same time the running back from Miami. So Richard Young, the number one running back in the class of 2023, made the trip to South Bend and visited the Fighting Irish. Now, ultimately, it did not work out as Richard Young verbally committed to the University of Alabama. So what's one of the first tasks once you verbally commit to Alabama? Well, I guess there's a lot of things, but for Richard Young, the newest member of the Alabama recruiting class, you know what, they may have picked up a couple since him, but one of the newer, I should say. He has come out on Twitter just a couple of moments ago and said this, Mark my words, I am going to flip Keon Keeley from Notre Dame. Now, Keon Keeley is the best pass rusher in the country Class of 2023 is from Tampa. I mean, you talk about the edge rusher you're looking for, 6'6", 240, 
great hands, quick off the line. I mean, this is the type of guy that helps you win championships. Now, Keeley has made five trips to South Bend. He has been locked in with the Fighting Irish. Now, he visited Alabama last week. We talked about it on the program. We didn't know if it was a big deal or not. A lot of kids roam around, take some visits, especially the high-end ones, or at least the high-end ones get publicized when they end up on someone else's campus. And when arguably one of the best recruits in the class of 2023 steps foot in Tuscaloosa, yes, it's going to make a few headlines, whether it's worthy or not. Now, Keon Keeley is still in the Notre Dame class. There is no reason to have anxiety or panic. But now the best running back in the class of 2023 has put it out there on social media. Mark his words, he's going to flip Keon Keeley from Notre Dame. We shall see. We shall see. Notre Dame's done a great job recruiting Keon Keeley. I think it's fair to say they've done a really good job of re-recruiting Keon Keeley after Mike Elston, his position coach, went from Notre Dame to Michigan. Al Washington came in, who he knew from Washington being at Ohio State, so there was already a relationship. So Notre Dame overcame that hurdle, if it was a hurdle. Still in great position. you got to wait till December to get to the finish line with Keeley with that first signing period. But right now, Notre Dame has held on to Keeley, and there's no reason to think otherwise other than one of the top recruits in the country saying, by golly, I'm going to flip him from Notre Dame to Alabama. Who knows what it means? All I'll say is stay tuned. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, who had the best weekend? Let's find out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Coming in at number five, I'm going to go with PGA Tour golfer Tony Finau. He was on my list of headlines to watch on Friday because he had the chance to win back-to-back tournaments on the PGA Tour. Well, Finau was terrific up in Detroit. And he won that golf tournament, so he won in Minneapolis last weekend, Detroit this weekend. He is rolling right through the NFC North. I don't think Chicago has a tournament anymore, and I know Green Bay does not. But two big wins for Finau, a guy that it seems like has been a candidate to break through and become more of a force on the PGA Tour. Before back-to-back wins, Finau had just two wins on the PGA Tour. In fact, he might be more well-known as the guy at Augusta National at the Masters a few years ago playing in the par-3 tournament. Remember when he slipped and he turned his ankle? Didn't he dislocate his ankle or it popped out? Ugh. But still played in the golf tournament. That made some highlight reels. But now Finau might be the favorite to win the FedEx Cup as he has bagged back-to-back PGA Tournament titles in Minneapolis and Detroit. Four! Who had the best weekend? Well, Tom Izzo and Michigan State basketball, one of the best players in the Midwest, has decided to go to Sparty. Indianapolis Cathedral's Xavier Booker, who helped Cathedral win the state championship this past season, He had offers from a lot of great schools. This was a guy in demand. His offer list included Duke, Kansas, 
Louisville, Oregon, Gonzaga, Purdue, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Mike Bray and the Fighting Irish. Booker played against Penn High School in a summer league game a few weeks ago. That was the game that Penn's Marcus Burton put up 35 and opened the eyes of a lot of major college basketball coaches. But Booker was the guy everybody was after. And it sounds like it was not a big surprise that he ended up picking the Michigan State Spartans. So a pretty good day for Michigan State basketball. For their high standards under Izzo, they've been a little down the last couple of years. This might reignite that Spartan program. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Who had the best weekend? You, the football fan. Can you taste it? Can you smell it? The pigskin in the air? Well, here in the state of Indiana, high school teams have been practicing for a couple of weeks. Week one is just a couple of weeks away. College football teams from coast to coast are getting started. I think Florida State's had four practices already. Notre Dame starting on Friday. And you've got the National Football League with camps open. In fact, today was a big day as pads went on for the first time. So that really gives you the feel that football is right around the corner. Number two. Who had the best weekend? Former South Bend Cub, former Chicago Cub prospect, and now the ace of the Chicago White Sox, Dylan Cease. Thanks, Cubs. Well, Cease, over the weekend, in a win over Oakland, six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, seven strikeouts. Not only did he have a great weekend, let's just lump together the whole month of July into this conversation. Dylan Cease in July for the White Sox. Six starts. His ERA, 0.77. That's the type of ERA you have when you play MLB the show on the easiest level. This is Major League Baseball. 0.77 in six starts. That's insane. But that's Dylan Cease right now. And now you look at his numbers for the year. Dylan Cease, his ERA... For 2022, how about 2.01? Wow. I've told the story before, but when he was in South Bend, the whole year it felt like the Cubs were showcasing him. He turned his ankle at third base during a game. They did not want to throw him hardly at all right before the trade deadline. And he ended up getting traded along with Aloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. Thanks, Cubs! And now Cease is turning into one of the best pitchers in baseball. He has improved his changeup. I remember he was working on his changeup in South Bend and in a matchup with Lansing's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at Four Winds Field. He let go of one heck of a changeup and struck him out. And that was kind of that, wow, there's the pitch that's going to make the difference. He's got the breaking ball. He's got that heater. But can he develop a changeup? He has. And now look at Dylan Cisco. He is turning into one of the best pitchers, not just in the American League, but in Major League Baseball. Number one. Who had the best weekend? 
Touched on this a moment ago, Alabama football. Richard Young, the top running back in the country, committed to Alabama on Friday. On consecutive days, the Crimson Tide added a pair of prize recruits. In 2024, cornerback Jalen Mabakwi and 2023 safety, a guy that Notre Dame went hard after, Caleb Downs. Mbakwi is the number five overall prospect in 2024, according to ESPN Junior 300. Downs is the number one safety and 16th ranked prospect overall, according to ESPN's 2023 rankings. Alabama maybe got off to a slow start recruiting, but as you would probably expect, Mr. Saban is closing things out very, very well. So who had the best weekend? Tony Finau, Michigan State basketball, you the football fan, Dylan Cease, and the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. Twitter question of the day is next, 648 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Just double-checking something very quick. It looks like Christian Vasquez, the Red Sox catcher, has been traded to the Astros. So that would eliminate the Astros, you would assume, of going after... Chicago Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. So that takes away one suitor for Contreras, which could hurt the Cubs in the return. We'll see. All right, got to be really quick here with our Twitter question of the day. Last week's question, we wrapped up the week week with, when it comes to making in-game decisions, what do you hope Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman uses? 3% said analytics. 17% said his gut and winning the vote in a landslide, a combination of both. That got 80% of the vote. You can vote for these Twitter questions of the day on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Today's question, which of these four players do you believe will have a breakout season for Notre Dame? Your four choices, big defensive end Riley Mills, the nose, Jacob Lacey, wide receiver, Dion Colsey, center, Zeke Carell. Vote now, vote often on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. SportsBeat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. Pet Refuge's ABC Clinic, spraying, spaying or neutering your pet is as easy as ABC. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. You don't know how many times I've almost said that, and I finally did it. You can spray your dog as well. Have a great evening.
Busy show tomorrow. Major League Baseball trade deadline, Notre Dame football recruiting talk, and more sports speed on 960 AM WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 